Yeah. I hear that. Alrighty, so today's lesson uh, I actually have a name for, which is pretty rare. <laughs> yeah. But it's called Our Soul's Soul Possessor. So it's going to be our, like, you know, our souls and then soul, like only possessor. Puns are great. Anyways, <laughs> I want to say that you are not you. Are you feeling like yourself today? You're not. <laughs> you may feel like yourself, but you're not. You may think like yourself, but you are not. You may even act like yourself, but you are not. Well, kind of. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, um, I ask that as we go through this lesson that you would speak to us, God, speak to our hearts, and tell us what uh, you're wanting us to hear today. God, I pray that you would um, help us to not only hear what, you want, uh, what you're telling us, Lord, but to utilize it, and um, Lord, to remember it uh, each and every day, God. And we thank you for your love, God, and your mercy, and your grace, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 12 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. It's saying here that we have a purpose, not because of the things we do, but because of the reason that we do them. God has a will for your life, for my life, and for everyone's life. It's like a giant story arc that's overarching all these little smaller story arcs that are each of our lives individually. Our purpose is bigger than ourselves, however. It is, or rather should be, the will that and the purpose that God has planned for our lives. Now, a quick side note that I thought was interesting um, that it kind of popped out to me when I read this um, about, was about like his grace, which he gave us before time began. It kind of seems like God already had given us his grace before time had begun, but then it was made obtainable by Jesus. So the way that I see this is like when you work, you're earning money each day. You clock in like you're earning money, but you don't actually get any of that until your paycheck comes. So God's grace was already sufficient before time began, but then he made a way for us to obtain that grace for ourselves every day through Christ Jesus. I just thought it was interesting how he mentions that God's already been ready to help us before, or he's already been ready to help us through our mistakes before our concept of time even began. That's how big of a God we serve. No other gods can say that they provided a way to take the weight of sin and life off your shoulders before time even began. So let's get back to it. After mentioning that God's pretty much been awesome since before awesome was even a word or our language was even created the bible goes on to say that he's been appointed uh, or that he's uh that i think it's paul uh, speaking here has been appointed to be a teacher and a preacher etc but this is just a foreshadowing moment because and we'll look at 
your like our life's purpose in another lesson sometime maybe um and how we can kind of determine that according to what god wants us to do and things like that but for today i want to move on uh, more to what he writes in the next verse which is verse 12 and it says but i am not ashamed for i know whom i have believed and i am convinced that he is able to guard uh, that until the day until that day what has been entrusted to me sorry um paul wasn't ashamed of spreading the gospel but he also knew that he couldn't do it alone it wasn't Paul himself, who bravely shared the word of God throughout the land to everyone that he saw. It was the Spirit working through Paul, giving him the courage necessary to do the work that Paul was appointed to do, that he was told to do by God. He couldn't do that work by himself, but with the Spirit's help, he was able to go out and do that work. What I think is important, though, is that at the end of the verse, he says, I am convinced that he, God, is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And I believe Paul is talking here about the mission that God had given him. I got a question real quick. Who thinks that God's plan for their life will be the best stinking life that you could ever experience? Anybody? It's not a trick question. <laughs> Do you think that God's purpose and his plan for your life will be better than anything else? Okay, hang with me. And it's okay to disagree with me here, but who thinks that God's plan will be easier than the other option that the devil offers or Satan's plan for your life? Because he's got a plan too. Yeah, it's going to be the best it's going to be the best life that we can have. Cuz what so what we imagine as the best life is probably not that great. You know, things that we imagine like picture right now like the best life you could ever have in your mind, like things are perfect in this world. There's a million things that you're not thinking about when you think of this perfect scenario and situation there's family there's you know maybe um, a spouse or like their family or there's you know when you have a bunch of money there's a million other problems that come in with that there's stuff we don't think about we just see this perfect like rainbow picture but there's things behind that that we never think about that if we were living in that circumstance probably not going to be that healthy for our minds and our our being like just living so God's plan is always going to be the best. And I've heard it preached both ways. You know, like, um, my yoke is easy and my burden is light life. Uh, with Christ, you know, like, may have its difficulties, but it won't be too bad. And then I've heard it preached, take up your cross and follow me, and that God's will is going to be hard and difficult and never easy. You know, furthermore, it is, if it is easy, then you're probably doing something wrong. You know, like, it should be hard. I've heard it preached both ways, and honestly, I'm somewhere in the middle between those. I think it's a mixture of some easy times and some hard times. But see, what I'm afraid of is that we often think God's plan for our life should be this nice, easy, flowing plan that just kind of falls into place each day. 
like right after being in a big trial, it's just, you know, things fall into together and then boom, it's peaceful and it's perfect. Which I, I absolutely love that. I think that sounds amazing. And like, I would love to live in a life that did that. But I can't just ignore the writings of Paul, which to me is one of the greatest Christians that's ever lived and someone who had an extremely walk with Jesus himself, both literally walking with Jesus and spiritually walking after Christ's ascension. So Paul says a few different times that life is going to be hard, yet with Jesus it makes it easier because we have the strength of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. I think if we expect an easy walk along life's path, then we risk becoming angry or frustrated when life gets really, really hard and things just won't fall into place no matter how hard we pray and how much we read the word of God. Sometimes life is just plain hard. And those moments are exactly when we have to rely on God the most instead of accusing him of injustice like Job did. We've looked at that where Job starts saying, you know, oh, how come, you know, you're doing this and this. And God's like, well, you don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes. Like, take a deep breath and trust me, it's going to be okay. So let me ask you this. How many of you have used currently or have used or know someone even that's used like any kind of bank to hold their money in? Anybody? I know. I, I use a bank. <laughs> I hope you guys do. It's, it's a good idea, just for the record. <laughs> okay, so when you give money to a bank... Like, Laura, when you give money to a bank, what do you expect them to do with it until you need to withdraw it? Hold it, yeah. Keep it safe, right? Make sure, you know, nothing happens to it. Well, what if the bank just decided that they didn't want to do what they were supposed to and burned all your money up and didn't repay any of that that you had given to them? Or, yeah, what if they took your money and used it toward renovating the bank or something that would benefit them? instead of giving it back to you when you needed it like it was rightly yeah that'd be awful i'd be furious and you can bet your last burnt dollar that i would be suing them too and also if any banks are listening to this i'm not accusing anyone of anything i'm just saying hypothetically everything i mentioned <laughs> is against the law um but anyways <laughs> so this is kind of how we are though isn't it like think about it god gives us numerous gifts whether we know them yet or not and he didn't just give us those gifts to go burn them and use them for our own personal gain. Have you thought about that? God gave us spiritual gifts, each and every one of us, for a specific, a very specific reason. That reason is our life. Like He's given you gifts that will help you do what you need to do in this life to glorify him and to, to further the kingdom of God. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 tells us the reason that God gave us our spiritual gifts. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That was a lot of ofs. <laughs> so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are able, I'm sorry, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every little joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that 
it builds itself up in love. So that was a lot of words, but God gave us these spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ, basically. To make it stronger and more effective for the kingdom of God. Are you doing that? It doesn't mean teaching a class. It could be just to say, hey, I know you've had a rough day, a rough week, a rough year. Shoot, I don't know, a rough life. But hey, I'm praying for you. And God loves you. And he's rooting for you. You got this. It could be serving the church cheerfully when they need an extra volunteer to minister to the homeless. Or it could be cheerfully cleaning up after everybody's gone. Instead of complaining and huffing and puffing and saying, gosh, this is so stupid. Why can't they just throw their own trash away? Maybe God let that person leave their trash to test you and to see if you would still serve him cheerfully even after the tenth person had left their trash for you even after they left their trash on the chairs that you're trying to put up, after you've been there for three hours, after you've had a long day of work and your feet are screaming and you're already, you've already had to walk to the trash can five times, yet you find one last hidden piece of trash that you got to throw away and go back. Would you pass the test or would you say, man, they almost had it, but they're just complaining the whole time with a frustrated heart. I guess I'll have to wait little bit and try again maybe he needs you to pass that test before you can effectively carry out the next step in his will you never know it's far better to just approach everything with a cheerful heart than to try and guess when you need to be cheerful and when you can get by with just a little bit of complaining here and there or complaining the whole time you know so I'm going to read from the message version in this passage because I love the current language it uses. It's Philippians 2, 14 through 16. And it says, Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air in this squalid, meaning extremely dirty or unpleasant. I had to look that one up. <laughs> and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. So I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't do all this work for nothing. Paul says that we should do everything without grumbling about it. If something needs to be done, just do it. This lesson was not endorsed by Nike anyways, but could be. So if you're part of Nike, you know, let me know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but Paul says that we can't go through life complaining all the time, or else we totally ruin the whole part of the trial. Or the whole point of the trial, rather. And then guess what? We have to try again later and go through that trial again until we pass it. Think about that. Maybe the reason, and I don't know for sure, I don't know what's going on in everyone's lives, but maybe the reason you're still going through trial after trial after trial is because you need to pass them before you can move on. And God's waiting for you to call on him to help you pass it so that you don't have to keep going through them. It's just a thought I had while I was writing this. So to finish off the thought from our first text, though, 2 Timothy 1.12 in the ESV, it says, Which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. The last part says that God is able to protect the mission that he's given us, that purpose that he's given us. If we try to do God's will on our own without continually seeking God's guidance, 
we get distracted. Guaranteed. And Satan wants to distract us just one day at a time. Just put off God's plan just one more day. Just one day. It's only one day. You've got plenty of time left for sure. Plenty of days left. Just one more day. Just one more day. Just put it off one more day. Listen, guys, God's, life, God's plan for our life isn't always going to fall perfectly into place every single day. Some days it's going to require work. Sorry, let me retry. I said that wrong. Most days it's going to require work. Conscious effort. And some days you're going to have to work to seek God's plan. You're not just going to be able to magically go into prayer and be like, oh, you know, I'm ready for your plan to come into my life. Like, you know, I'm seeking you. I'm like, you're busy. You don't think about it. It takes work to sit down and say, God, I need your help to help me follow your plan today for my life. Because it's our life is just a staircase and every day is a step. Are you taking the next step, you know? Other days it may very well just happen to fall into place. You know, some days it does. And it's amazing when it does. But more often than not in my life, it's taken work. I've had to ask him again and again and again, Lord, please help me to follow your will for my life. Help me to not get distracted, but to continue to keep my eyes on you, seeking your plan, because I know that that is the best plan for my life. Even if it's not what I'm imagining is my best plan, that's the best plan for my life. And I've had to ask him to help me get back onto his plan for my life because I haven't been following it. It's work, again and again. It's continually a choice each and every day. We choose every single day what road we will run down, and they aren't always the right one. It just it happens sometimes. For every one road that God provides, the devil's got six more distractions waiting for you to pull you off the path that you're supposed to be on. And those paths look really, really, really easy. And they may be. It's really not hard to continually sin. It's our nature to. Romans 7, 1 through 6 says, Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, dies she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you have also died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Almost there. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we may serve in a new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. See, it's only by the, writ by the Spirit's power that we can do all these things that Paul mentions. And the Spirit's power comes to us through our relationship with Jesus, which happens to be kind of the same God as the Holy Spirit. Mind blown. Okay, moving on. I want to skip down to Romans 7.14. We'll read to the end of the chapter really quick. I know y'all have heard all these verses before, but hang with me here for just like a few more moments, I promise. 
So it says, for we know, this is uh, Romans 7, 14. And it goes to the end of the chapter. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it. We are not ourselves. But sin that dwells in me, or within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, at least. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Again, we are not ourselves. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. And that's true. Like any time that you're about to do something that God wants you to do, there's almost always an option that Satan wants you to do right there with it. So the, verse, the text continues, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I, that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So you are not yourself. Well, not your whole self. God has given you the Holy Spirit when you accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life. You are the only... You are only your sin nature. Technically, you. And as that last verse says there, you serve sin. You will always serve sin. But the rest of you, your spirit, enables you to serve the Lord instead of sin. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and only through the power of the Holy Spirit. You will not, cannot, and won't want to do what God has planned for your life. Not naturally. You will want to do what Satan has planned naturally. And that is to keep you distracted from the sun long enough to drag you down to hell and to keep you there suffering with him for eternity. That's his goal. Satan wants to hinder the purpose that God has for your life. And he wants to keep it from being fulfilled. One day at a time. One temptation at a time. One mistake at a time. We must rely on the power of the spirit that relies within us, that lies within us, because our flesh is weak and cannot overcome the devil. It can't. Therefore, when you're going through the darkest, darkest times of life, when you're feeling depressed, sad, discouraged, lonely, all alone, beaten down, bruised, and out of the fight, when you feel like you have nothing left to give, Stop giving your all to life and start giving your all to the life, Jesus. God can give you a solution to your problems or he might just give you the strength to get out of bed one more day to face the darkness that lies, that awaits uh, seemingly around every corner in your life each and every day, especially during those dark periods. Can I just be real with y'all? The summer, this summer in particular, has been one of, if not the most awful, the hardest, most difficult summers that I've ever had, hands down. 
it's been stressful, depressing, and just straight hopeless at times with many different people going through many different trials and many different times of darkness. The devil is not waiting until you grow up to attack anymore. He's attacking now, today, tomorrow, Sunday, every single day, especially right now. And I don't know why, but he has been insanely active this summer, and I can't wait for the day that breakthrough is coming. There's a song that talks about this called Won't Stop Now. It's one of my favorite worship songs right now, and we actually listened to it earlier today. It goes like this. In every season, your grace has been enough, and I'm believing the best is yet to come. The cross before me, my hope on things above, and in you, Jesus, the best is yet to come. A little later in the song, it says, I know breakthrough is coming. By faith, I see a miracle. My God made me a promise, and it won't stop now. I've had to hold on to that some nights when I've been broken down to tears, hope all but abandoned. And when I feel like what's the point anymore, I remind myself that breakthrough is coming. I can't see how, and the obstacles coming my way seem impossible to get over. But by faith, I'm seeing, I'm visualizing a miracle happening, and that obstacle being behind me. God gave me a promise that he said he had a life planned for me, one of good and not of evil. He gave me a personal promise for my life, and those promises haven't ceased to be true. Not today, not tomorrow, not yesterday, not ever. The devil is just trying to prevent them from happening every day, and he's really, really good at what he does. But not as good as his creator, God. No matter how depressing life seems, how hopeless it looks, no matter how dim my little light is glowing, it won't go out. No matter how many weights the devil throws at me, no matter how stressful life gets, no matter how many times people need strength from me that I don't have to give, no matter how many times I feel like giving up, I will keep running the good race. Because I know, and you know, you can hold on to this, that breakthrough is coming. By the power of El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for letting us gather here today. Thank you for the words, God. Help us to remember them, that when we're going through life, we're going through the darkest times of our life, that you're still there with us. Help us to never, ever forget, God, that you are walking with us. You're holding our hand. You're saying, come on, just a little bit further. Got to keep going because I got bigger plans for you than just this. I got better plans for you than this tough time you're going through. This isn't where it ends. It's just the beginning of another story. God, I pray that you would help us to continually seek you. God, keep us on your path. Keep us from getting distracted. And when we do get distracted, help us to realize, God, you're still there for us and you still want us to walk with you. You're just, waiting for, you're just waiting for us to ask you to help us come back to the right path. I thank you for all the times, Lord, this summer that you've helped me and that you've given us strength, God. I pray that you would continue, continually give us strength each and every day. And help us as we grow, Lord, to continue growing, continue seeking, and to share it with others, God, what you've done for us. 
so that they may find a way through their dark times as well. Because it's only together, Lord, as a unified body of Christ that we get through this life, continually seeking you, the Godhead, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and your love. Thank you for coming and dying on the cross and taking away that death that I deserved. Help us to never forget that sacrifice, God. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name, God, we pray. Amen. That's all I got.